On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Stefan Itterborn from Cake. Cake is an electric motorbike company, and I feel like they are just absolutely positioned for explosive growth. Their goal is to be up to 800 employees by the end of next year, and obviously with that comes a lot of challenges. Stefan has built eight different businesses. He had his last exit, which was absolutely massive, about two years ago, and that was in the mountain biking space. So really incredible conversation. I would just stop everything that you're doing to listen to this one. Just a ton of wisdom from Stefan today. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by D2CDesign.com. If you're a D2C advertiser, Fresh Creative is your lifeblood. You guys know that. I talk about that all the time on this podcast. That's why it's critical to have a design team that gets you new advertising content week in and week at a fair price. We met up with Benson over at D2C Designs and came up with this special offer for you to test out the value of their service. They've generously offered to design one free set of creative ads plus D2C design strategy session personalized specifically for your brand. So if you like what you see, give them a test and let us know how it went. I really want to know. We don't want to have sponsors that you guys don't love. Plus, these guys specialize in D2C designs that accelerate brand growth through conversion and personalized designs across your website, email marketing, social media, ads, and everything else you need for growth. Head over to d2cdesign.com. That's the letter D, then the number two, and the letter C, design.com, and claim your free set of creative ads. Now on to today's episode. All the way from Stockholm, Sweden, I have Stefan Itterborn. I didn't, I know I didn't say it exactly properly. <laughs> that was actually really good. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Good to hear. So I've got him all the way from Stockholm, Sweden, founder and CEO of Cake. Really looking forward to chatting with you today and getting some of your insights. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, especially at nighttime, your time. I generally, uh, if somebody invites me to a nighttime meeting, my time, I say, I'm sorry, I, I'm just not going to do it. So I really appreciate your time here. I love Vancouver. I love Canada. So I couldn't resist, you know? Yeah. Another country of ice hockey that makes me, you know, I'd do it at any point. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine, and there's a lot of Americans who listen to this, but I can imagine if I was an American asking you, maybe it'd be a different story. Who knows, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that would change much, but in general, I, you know, again, if I'd be, you know, open about things, uh, North America is a very important, you know, part of the world to, to, to what we're doing. And uh, we've got the presence over there and, uh, 
it's a place where we need to be present and uh, share our perspectives. Absolutely. So Stefan, for people who don't know anything about you, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So basically, I think that I'm, you know, a serial entrepreneur. That's what they call me. I probably started somewhere between eight and 10 companies throughout my career. I'm getting old these days. I'm like, you know, 50, 70 years old. But it's the common denominator with what I've been doing. It has always been consumer goods consumer products, so basically developing business strategies and then through product marketing and, and sales and at all times on a global kind of scale. So throughout my career, it's been a couple of journeys and my previous journey was a company named POC with a mission of saving lives and reducing consequences of accidents for gravity sports athletes, doing protection like helmets and, and back protectors and hel- you know goggles and stuff. And this new journey is all about electric motorcycles with the ambition of inspiring the market towards zero emission. Awesome. I mean, I can't imagine you being in a better space, right? Like when, when I look at like, you know, businesses that we're potentially going to acquire or, or any, any of that kind of stuff, I'm always looking at like, what is the market already doing? And, and it looks like you've kind of you know, glommed onto something that makes a lot of sense. When you're looking for a new idea, right? If you've gone through eight to 10 startups, what are you looking for exactly? Well, I would say that the key factor is always purpose. What may I bring? What may I improve in terms of to the benefit of the, of the, of the user in the end? So in that sense, whether it's, again, you know, the mission of saving lives and reducing consequences of accidents for sports practitioners, and in, the, in this case, accelerating the, the aspiration to actually change means of transportation in a more sustainable way. There are two great examples of what really drives me, but I would, you know, add a few things to this. I'm really fond of the concept of premium because premium not to be you know mistake or mixed up with the, the concept of luxury because that's a totally different thing to me premium means that there has to be purpose to it it needs to have innovation it needs to have you know something that, that you can measure in terms of performance and then it needs quality and all of those things purpose innovation performance and quality needs to be, be embraced by deliberate engineering and design and that's the kind of space that where I'm moving around when I get these, you know, whatever idea it might be, I'm, you know, I did eight or 10 companies, but I've probably had a thousand ideas, you know, being thrown around. And uh, at all, you know, every time there, there are basically these four aspects guiding me and trying to merge these perspectives and bringing those to, you know, being materialized in, in something that actually hits the market eventually. And when that thinking comes together, you're like, oh, this might, you know, work as a business. And then you kind of get all excited and get going. So let's talk about how you start, because I mean, this is a fairly new endeavor, this new business, right? And you had a a fairly large exit from your previous business. I just want to say an aside here, I'm a mountain biker and I don't wear enough protection. I know that. I think I... I'm like thinking to myself, as I was looking at your previous company's website, I'm like, oh man, I need to buy some more protection because that just can get so dicey. (laughs) No, but basically, I I mean, that was, you know, it's kind of fun because what I truly learned, you know, what, what getting back to the aspect of purpose, bringing something that actually means something. And, and in the best of cases, we could, you know, save a life here and there and making a difference is, is important, I think, in whatever I choose to do. I'm not saying that you know everyone's obligated, but maybe there is an obligation in terms of what the challenges are here in general when it comes to Earth, society, planet, and whatnot. But anyhow, leaving that aside, that making the purpose fly through innovation and therefore, you know, becoming irrelevant. And the beauty, and I think at times, you know, even though I'm a 
great lover of art, I would never be able to work in the art scene because it, it's all about subjective kind of thinking or judging. Whatever I've done throughout my career, it has had that component of being able to measure and to race and uh, I mean, to actually, you know, measure the level of performance. And I think that in that sense, speaking about protection, we knew how, to, you know, we came to understand what maybe, you know, improved in terms of construction, concept, engineering and so forth to increase the level of, of protection in that sense. So that's how we got started. And then one would ask, so why do you get into it? Well, I love this balance between being able to do good and develop a business. And, you know, 15 years ago, when I started talk about protection, no one was really into the aspect or concept of, of, you know, wearing helmets. But there were so many things in society pointing towards that everyone would then start using helmets, even though you're not using helmets when you're out mountain biking, but the majority yeah. would. Oh, I wear a helmet. I just want to let everyone know I wear a helmet. I just don't wear the armor. Right. I just, uh, just in case anyone thinks I'm, I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> in that case, the armor aside for a second, I'd say that when I tried to convince, you know, the cap market, uh, you know, VCs and investors about the fact that, you know, guys, everyone's going to wear a helmet when they're skiing 10 years from now. And people yeah. were like, no way. And I was, yes way. And uh, I was pointing at different things. And this is something that excites me in the process of planning a business that get into it, analyze what the situation is, what the expected kind of perspective in terms of values and behavior and preferences will be down the line. And you yeah. don't need, it's no rocket science. You can actually, you know, get those synapses together and, and you know, force a to, to a large extent what's going to happen. But anyhow, if you're not into this deeply thinking about it, and I think this is one of the entrepreneurial kind of advantages because there's no one else but yourself who's thinking as much about your idea and critically kind of, you know, criticizing what you're doing and finding your ways through that. And I can tell you these days when I meet with these guys that did not invest in the POC business, for instance, in the beginning of 2004 or whenever it was, saying that I'll never wear a helmet. I meet these grumpy or older men these days in, you know, standing in line waiting for a ski lift somewhere. And, you know, they're wearing helmets. And in the best case of cases, they're wearing a POC helmet. And I feel like, hey, man, there you go. And I'm laughing a bit. So again, make sure that there's some, you know, endurance to your business ideas based on how things are moving in society to better promote a life cycle that will support your ability to actually develop something meaningful. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to put in there, and I was actually going to try and find some actual statistics about this, but it's like B Corps versus C Corps in the United States outperform the entire way, right? And so that mission and purpose that B Corps have, obviously there's something there, right? There's something about having that purpose and mission. And maybe it's just because these people, the CEOs of these companies that really feel strongly about this are also high performers. I don't know if that's what it is, but I know that there's something about that purpose and mission that really does actually drive things beyond just selling stuff, right? If that's the goal at the end of the day, it's kind of useless. Like, great. Now you have a pile of money. Good. Yeah. <laughs> But I would say that the world's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But I think that, again, there's so much, you know, bad that we need to deal with and somehow, you know, uh, try and find solutions for. But in general, I would say running a business today and running businesses in general down the line, looking a bit into the future, unless you have a purpose, there's not going to be much, you know, love from the market in terms of actually supporting that company for a long time. And when customers or users are being left aside because there's no long-term kind of, 
relation and obligation between them and, you know, from a larger perspective, they will have a hard time surviving. So I, I would say that there is actually a strong reason for anyone, whatever business it is, to leave aside, you know, quick capitalizing, you know, fiercely on something which is short term and try and develop something. And that will always happen. But I'd say long term companies with a perspective and being, you know, able to, to bring meaning or substance to the targeted user group is a much more, uh, and uh, well, I would say, uh, potential long liver compared to, to not doing that. Totally. That's a great way to put it. I like that. I'd like you to walk me through what it looked like when you did this newest startup. Where did you start? Was this starting with retailers? Was this starting just straight direct to consumer? I, I'd love to just kind of know how that evolved, especially as you've, you're older than the average person who listens to this podcast and, and is in the direct to consumer world. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. So I'd love to hear what you did that worked. Well, but basically in, on my side, I'd say that anyone who is into the consumer business and, and wouldn't prioritize direct to consumer these days would be nuts, right? So yeah. I just, you know, no matter what age I am, I need to, to comply with reality here. And uh, <laughs> I think that also with the POC business, even though it was a bit of a problem when I started that business in the beginning of the 2000s, e-commerce was kind of new. And we were really, you know, early with e-commerce. But at that time, we had, you know, we ended up having more than, I'd say, 10,000 retailers around the world. Wow. And of course, they, they felt, you know, chased or stressed by the fact that we were doing our direct consumer business as well. I think that we've come to the point where, you know, this is a part of, of reality. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a brand, you need to run your D2C business on par with, you know, a traditional retailing model. <laughs> There couldn't be a single retailer now that would tell you not to, <laughs> that you couldn't be direct consumer, right? Whereas it was different back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that was totally different. But we kind of moved into that space and, and uh, without too much resistance and, and kind of were able to grow that. In this case, when I started this, it was all about starting, you know, direct to consumer from scratch. So that said, we never, ever, we have a few retailers, you know, honestly, uh, it's not. It's it's like a couple of percent when it comes to actually our total revenues. But we need those retailers because they they represent something that we appreciate in terms of quality products aside from what we're doing. Mm. And we need representation in different you know urban, whether it be Los Angeles or New York or or Munich, where we don't have a showroom yet. We need to have presence somehow, and therefore we're able to hook up with qualitative retailers in those locations. But again, this was never a matter of discussing whether we should or should not go direct to consumer. But we do see as we grow the need to establish physical presence, showrooms and retail ourselves. Because again, buying something at 14,000 bucks without having touched it or ridden it, speaking about our electric motorcycles, that's a tough nut. So in that sense, we will need to support our you know, uh, interaction and you know, initiatives and actually creating the market by having additional physical presence aside from, you know, and still it's going to be direct to consumer. That makes a lot of sense to me that, of course, having some sort of physical, whatever that looks like, if it's a mishmash of, of both yeah. the e-com side and the physical location. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know, how do you ship these things directly? Like that must be yeah. a huge cost. It's part of the actual cost. So basically there is our main markets are Europe and North America. So we have a warehouse in Denver for 
North America, and then there's another one in Rotterdam for Europe. And bikes are being shipped there by boat. The majority of, or the main part of these bikes are being produced in Taiwan. And the reason for producing in Taiwan is not because it's cheap anymore. It used to be cheap 40 years ago. And then all of the American and European brands went there for, you know, making less expensive bikes. At this point, they've developed amazing skills. So if you want really high quality Taiwan is one of the places to be. Mm. And then we shipped to Los Angeles and to Rotterdam, and then they're passed on to the Denmark warehouse. And then we have carry, you know, anything from DHL to UPS delivering, uh, you know, the bikes to the consumer's doors, basically. Yeah, 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 gotcha. From those central locations, Denver and, and Rotterdam. Yeah. yeah, 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 interesting. I'd love to I'd love to see what those shipping bills look like. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say that shipping is about somewhere around 10 to 12% of the total consumer cost. Okay. I mean, that's not that different than uh Canadian businesses having to ship across Canada, right? Like our shipping costs are crazy for direct consumer, uh, especially in Canada. It's a lot better in the States, but yeah, that's super interesting. Stefan, I've got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Well, I think that right now, I mean, the last business went, you know, uh, promising startup to scaling. And before leaving, I ended up, you know, at least, you know, doing close to a million helmet on a, on a, on a yearly basis. In this case, we're still young and patiently growing with quality, but the ambition is on our side to get to 200,000 bikes being delivered on, on an annual basis around the world. And already, you know, in, in five years from now, we're going to reach 100,000. And that's going from very small numbers. And we're right now starting this scale up, you know, part of the, of the journey, which is going from something which is very precise and easy to manage and then you know getting into you know expanding and, and adding headcounts like crazy so at this point all in all around the world we're about 55 60 people by the end of this year okay we're gonna be somewhere around 250 to 300 in 18 months from now we're speaking about six seven hundred uh, employees and colleagues and i would say that the secret to scaling there is to for everyone within the organization doesn't matter what you do whether you're you know on the board of the directors or in, in the warehouse uh, packing bikes sharing a perspective on you know understanding where we're heading why we're doing what we're doing mm. and supporting that at work and i think that being blindfolded and, and not getting uh the, the why and what's behind is a, a business is devastating so it's all about making sure that the, the, the team is 100 focused on what the path forward is and i spend a lot of time in that sense you know speaking to colleagues everyone wherever you know at, on every level, basically. So I obviously with the businesses and stuff that we own, that's a huge part. I feel like that I've learned over, over the last couple of years as like really the role of a CEO and founder is pointing that direction and letting everybody know what that direction is. And I found huge success in just getting our team on board with that vision and direction rather than people just kind of not knowing exactly. They're just performing tasks, right? And obviously tasks have to be performed, but yeah, like I, I love it. I love what you said there. Yeah, no, no, it's good. And to me, it's it's like you can make associations to sports and stuff, but it's like a team. You need to understand what's the goal, what, what's the tournament that we need to win and how much training do we need to do? And even losing is good because you learn something between you within the, the collective, the group, and then you're much better off you know, dealing with that and improving whatever needs to be improved, but winning and losing, but you need to win more than you lose, of course. That I'd say that there's a lot of similarities between sports and running a business, actually. Mm, yeah, I love it. Uh, Stefan, we're going to move on to our lightning round here. 
I've got yep. three questions for you here. What is yep. your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Well, my favorite tool in that sense is actually Zoom. Of course. <laughs> We couldn't do it without Zoom. <laughs> I hate it and I, and I love it. And I think that I've, I've, I've come to a situation where it started with resistance and then I got to the phase of accepting and now I'm starting to embrace and love it. So <laughs> You've gone through the stages of grief, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's like, it works and, and it's kind of, uh, it's very different and it's awkward and, uh, you know, what we're doing. But it's a new perspective in this boring situation that we're all in, which is more than boring of you know absolutely uh it's so devastating and it's so sad but aside from that being practical about things the zoom thing kind of uh, dissolves or, or clarifies a bit of the needs and the aspects of moving forward at least in this situation well i think that text and slack don't allow for the nuances of a conversation right like that's yeah. the the issue is that you don't know what the other person's saying right you could say something like you know like hey have a good day or it could yeah. be interpreted like yeah have a good day right like yeah, you just yeah. don't know and so yeah. it's so good to be able to have that face to face yeah yeah oh it works <laughs> uh another question for you what is your favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now so i think that right now i'm actually listening more than watching it so i'm, I'm into this pharrell williams documentary on him setting up a choir to you know to become the best choir in the world and i'm you know this is of course weird I, i'm not specifically gospel kind of guy but i'm really much into i'm into music and and that's you know my favorite thing to do when I'm not working. So I'm friendly, oh, a super, you know, gifted guy. And he, he's done this, this documentary on that specific topic. And I just, you know, I, I sit down, I close my eyes and I listen to that. It's a TV show, but you know, that's what I do. Oh, that's great. That's great. Good answer. I got one more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody who's alive right now for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, uh, who would it be? I think that I've never met with Dieter Rams, and Dieter Rams is one of the old classic designers, you know, the guy that has designed all the brawn stuff. And uh, he's a guru and he represents a, an attitude or a perspective in design, which is so sophisticated. It's so much, you know, future in whatever he does. And he has this simplistic approach in terms of, you know, declaring what whatever he's doing is, is all about in a beautiful way, but still without exaggerating. And the guy is still alive, but he's he represents a lot of the, the important and giant steps in design that happened in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm. And, and I hate myself for I have a few friends who know him, so I should probably try and, and be introduced before it's too late. So he's my guy. You do it. Do it. That would be that. I need to. I got to say, as far as like those kind of introductions are concerned, like finding people who are kind of like my heroes to get introduced to, it's never gone bad. I, it's no, just no. never gone bad. Every time I ask, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. They said yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Stefan, this is so nice to have you on the podcast. I appreciate you and, and the wisdom that you bring. And this is just really great. Any parting words for our audience? Stay well. Don't forget to have fun because uh, whatever, uh, you know, you choose to do in life, I think the aspect of excitement and positivism needs to be there. Otherwise, you'll end up hating yourself for not having, you know, spent enough time in that aspect of and that's you know it's not like business is boring and then you have fun when you're all you know out of no you're back home it's like make sure that whatever you do at work has that fun factor to it 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks so much. And where can people find out more about you and connect uh, with you and your brand? Well, there's a website that says ridecake.com. So R-I-D-E-C-A-K-E.com, ridecake. That's me. And there's also a LinkedIn account on my, you know, my name, Stephanie Reborn, founder and CEO of Cake. So I try to respond to uh, everyone who's reaching out. And there are two, I'd say that you can find me through the website or LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great talking to you and have a good one. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.